Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Boardroom Buddies podcast. Each podcast is themed and I interview and ask questions from a specialist who's also the owner of a small business, just like us. If you're a business owner of a micro business, then I hope that this sparks your thinking, answers some questions that you may have, and that you get some tips on the subject that helps you move your business forwards. I do hope that you enjoy the podcast. I very much enjoyed recording it. Hello, and welcome to the Boardroom Buddies podcast. This week's episode will give you inspiration and encouragement and some tips on being personally productive without beating yourself up for the things that you can't get done. We all have the to-do list that seems to run off the page and it's impossible to get it all done. So if you're beating yourself up and your to-do list is as long as your arm, then today's podcast with my guest, the amazing Grace Marshall, may just be up your street. Grace is an author of three books, She's a coach, a trainer and a speaker and spends her time helping people manage their workload in a way that gets things done and it also enhances their work-life experience. I've known her for a number of years and I love her approach to being productive. Yes, it's about getting stuff done with clarity and purpose, but just as important, not beating yourself up. She's known for her refreshingly honest and human approach to personal productivity and getting stuff done. So have a listen. If you haven't got time to read time management books, then her first book, 21 Ways to Manage the Stuff That Sucks Up Your Time, is packed with help and inspiration, as all her books are. Hello, and welcome to the Boardroom Bodies podcast. This week, we're talking to the amazing Grace Marshall, who is an author, coach and trainer and she does all things about personal productivity. So welcome, Grace. Thank you for joining me on the podcast this week. Lovely to be here. (laughs) (laughs) So productivity, a lot of people think that that's about working through a to-do list. Is that the way you see it? It's funny because I think not enough time, too much to do is where a lot of productivity conversations start. Yes. But actually, when you dig deeper, it's never about that. It's not really about time management. It's not about squeezing in as much as we can. Um, I think back in the back in the industrial age, productivity was about how much can we squeeze out. So it was a lot about efficiency. Mm, and I think, yeah. yeah, given the kind of work we do now in the sort of more human age of work, it's about how we show up. Um, yeah, it's about the quality of our thinking, our attention, our, our creative ideas. Um, so for me, productivity goes beyond efficiency. It goes it goes even beyond effectiveness. Right. It's more about the work life experience. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And I love that, that idea of a, a more human age because coming more through a corporate type background, it seemed very much about your outputs and what you could produce. Yeah. And I wonder if that's changed now that we are looking at a more, a more holistic experience uh, in the workplace. Yeah, so I mean, one of the conversations I often have with people is around like capacity. Yeah. So yeah, if you think of capacity just from a time perspective, that's when we can look at can I physically fit that meeting in the diary? I mean, there's a slot in the in the calendar. I can. Yes. Yes. But then, if you start thinking about 
capacity in terms of your mental capacity mm. have i got the mental capacity to do this piece of work justice yeah you know, can i make good decisions um, have I even just got the attention available to pay attention to what this mm. person's saying to me or what like yeah. what we need to decide, what ideas we need to come up with in that meeting? Mm. And then I think you know, we can even take that a step further to think about emotional capacity because a lot of people, you know, a lot of our work these days is, is with people. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so it's about the relationships that we build. It's about um, how we show up for each other so a lot of the work that i do as a speaker is about the energy i bring into the room yes so i can physically drag myself into a conference but if i haven't got the emotional and mental capacity to do that piece of work justice then actually i'm not being productive am i mm. i see yeah, yeah. so i think okay. um there's a there's a great quote by manush shafiq who's the current director of the london school of economics and she was the former deputy governor of the Bank of England and she says that in the past jobs were about muscles in the present they're about the brain and in the future they'll be about the heart I think that sums up the Ooh, kind of work we do. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay right mm. yeah I, I love the idea that uh, people are recognizing that we are going through different phases mm. um, I think it's easy to as a manager and a leader of a business perhaps to get stuck into one way of thinking mm. and i know that through i mean i've been on one of your workshops and obviously read your books mm. so i know that, uh, that being productive and effective is as much to do with your mindset and your thinking as as actually physically getting on and doing a, what's on your list yeah absolutely because our mindset will determine sort of how much attention we can pay to something but also like the quality of our ideas mm. So if you do any kind of creative work, and I don't, you know, it doesn't have to be artistic, just anything that involves thinking of new ideas, new approaches, any kind of creative thinking, you'll know what it feels like to stare at a blank screen or a blank page. Yeah. You might have the time available, but if you haven't got the right headspace, yes. there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. There's no good yeah. work you can do there. Yeah. So how we think about our work, our approach to our work, our relationship, our work, mm -hmm. um, those things actually have a much bigger impact on the outputs and the outcomes and the impact. Yeah, and, and I love that and I, I endorse that with my own Boardroom Buddies clients mm. and try to encourage them not to work five days a week mm. because so many times in a small business people are kind of running mm. from one thing to the next for the whole of the working week mm. and outside of those normal regular hours as well. And I encourage them to take time away from the business, not because it's a nice to have, mm. which it is of course, yes. but, but, but because it's essential mm. for your thinking, for your mental capacity, yep. and to be able to come up with new ideas mm. and, and thoughts about ways of doing things. So I really like that idea. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really interesting because you know, if you go back to the 40 hour work week, that was, that was invented by Ford. Oh, and, and it was it was a way of that you know basically he looked at at what point do people start making mistakes at what point does it become uneconomical to keep people working and he looked at it from that perspective and that was on, on the factory line that was kind of manual work right whereas if you then start thinking about knowledge work which is what most yes, of us do yes then yeah, we can't work solidly for eight hours and have the same level of thinking, the same level of mental capacity. Um, in fact, most of um, most of the studies suggest that 
our proactive attention is probably only about two or three hours a day. Oh, right. Okay. So it's like even less than those 40 yeah. hours. But then if you think of like, you know, culture, corporate culture, business culture, a lot of people work even more than those 40 hours. And so you start to question like how much of that time is actually being productive. Mm. Um, but also at what point does it start to become, does it start to have a negative impact yes. on our productivity? You know, do we, what, at what point do we start to make mistakes? Yeah. At what point does, do things just take way longer than they would normally do? Um, but also at what point do, do we just get stuck in a rut of like, oh, I just need to enter that email or go to that meeting. We're not even questioning that. Mm. Um, so you know, when it comes to that kind of thinking creatively, innovatively, a lot of that stuff only comes when we have that time away, when we can yeah. take that time out and, and see things in a different light. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, tell me about the books. I know that obviously I've read them, but for listeners, they won't have heard. So, so my first book um, was Twenty One Ways to Manage yeah. the Stuff That Sits yeah. at the Time, and I wrote that when my kids were really small. So yeah. I was growing a business alongside raising a family, um, and I didn't work in an office. I didn't work traditional hours. I had to sort of work in snatches of time in between school runs and nap times and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. But what I found was that actually, if you've got limited time, how do we work in a way that actually fits in with that? So can't create more time. How can I make the most of the time that I do have? But also, how can I do that in the way where I feel good about what I'm doing? Mm, yes. You know, where I don't feel like I'm just constantly falling behind or not having enough time. And, and so it was very much around that. So that's written as 21 very short tips. And it's really interesting because that's when people started saying, oh, it's the perfect kind of book for people who don't have time to read yeah, time management. Exactly. Yes. And one of my friends effectually calls it a toilet book. <laughs> <laughs> so the kind of book you can read, pick up, read for a couple of minutes and then put back down okay. again. Get something oh, useful out of it. That explains that yes. one. Because <laughs> I read it on the back of, coming back from holiday on the plane, oh, yeah. I think it was a four hour flight and I'd read it from cover uh, to the end. Uh, so I wouldn't like to spend four hours in the mood. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it is the kind of book that you can pick up and put down and get something really useful out of it. Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah. yeah. So the second book is called How to Be Really Productive. Mm -hmm. And this book's a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's written in really kind of short bites um, with practical exercises, a few coaching questions at the end of each chapter. And again, it's, so my take on it was very much around how to be productive in a world where work never ends. Mm. You know, what does it look like to create that sense of work-life experience where you're waking up looking forward to doing your best work, but you're also getting to the end of the day feeling satisfied with what mm. you've done. Mm. So it looks at, as well as like things like organizing and getting from chaos to clarity, it also looks like things like our mind monkeys and our lizard brain. So what's going on in our yeah. head that's like getting in the way, maybe causing us to procrastinate, but also things like, Real life tactics, how to be productive in a world where maybe other people aren't being productive. So, oh, okay. you know, maybe how we deal with interruptions or yes. setting expectations and managing expectations with other people, boundary setting, saying no. Um, oh, gosh. Um, I know. <laughs> you, they say you teach the stuff you most need to learn yourself. So, yeah, those yeah. are the areas where I needed to learn the most because <laughs> I'm, I'm naturally accommodating. I'm a people pleaser. Mm. So, that whole idea of saying no has it's been a yeah. lesson that I've had to learn. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also things like work-life rhythm. So mm. there's the term work-life balance, and mm. I often shy away from that because to me that feels too static. 
feels too much like an accounting balancing act. Mm, yes. And it's like, oh, if I'm doing something over here, then maybe that other side is becoming unbalanced. And you're always looking at the wrong end of the, the scale, mm. as it were. So to me, work-life rhythm gives me more movement. And mm. it means that I can go fast, I can go slow, and there's room for both. And it's more about kind of, I guess I'm seeing it like a dance. So mm. Yes, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels a little bit more human that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I a long time ago thought there, that there isn't such a thing as work-life balance, mm. particularly, I think, in the current age where, you know, working nine to five actually is quite unusual. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, quite often we're, we're starting work long before nine o'clock and we're finishing way after five. Mm. And then we've got family, you know, yeah. and often have kiddies to look after and, and things like that. So, so I think that work-life balance thing it's a bit of a hard thing to attain really yeah um, i do like the rhythm work life rhythm that's that sounds great yeah so if you get to the end of the day you've had stuff on your list to do what and you haven't done it and you're beating yourself up yeah <laughs> what would you say to them okay step one is write yourself a to-da list so a to-da list instead of a to-do list okay okay to-da what have i done Okay. Because sometimes we don't give ourselves credit for what we have done. Yeah, sure. And some days it might be actually things just changed. And, you know, maybe I decided I needed to pay attention to this instead of that, or this is what happened and, and this is how I responded to it. So I think it's always worth writing yourself a to this first. Like, give yourself credit for what you actually have done. And then, um, maybe then we can then start to, I call it my ahas. So what am I noticing? So maybe if I didn't get the stuff done that I wanted to, what happened? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I talk about, actually my third book, Struggle, um, mm -hmm. is you know, approaching things with curiosity rather than judgment. Because mm -hmm. sometimes we can beat ourselves up about the things that go wrong or things that don't go to plan. Mm -hmm. But actually if we approach it with curiosity, what we do in our brains is we widen our vision. And, and sometimes it might be, ah, do you know what? That didn't happen because of this thing I've got in my head yes. around yeah. you know, why I'm procrastinating or, yeah. or maybe you know, maybe it's to do with it. What am I telling myself? What story am I telling myself about this thing yeah. that's making it yeah. so hard to do? Ah, our lunch has arrived. Lovely. The veggie ones are for, for listeners, we are uh, in the fabulous Hotel Divan in Birmingham and our lunch has just arrived. Yes, we are in a place that sells alcohol although we are on coffee yeah um, so so we'll just carry on for a few more moments i think um so yes talking about uh work life balance and not beating yourself up i know that uh, quite often because i've trained my myself in a way mm. i'll get to the end of the day and think well what did i do to move the business forward yeah. and there might be one or two small things and there might be some things on the to-do list that I haven't quite got around to doing. Mm -hmm. And I do have this kind of internal evaluation of, why didn't I do it? Well, the actual honest truth is because I didn't really want to do it in the first yes. place. <laughs> and so I'm aware of my own thinking mm -hmm. a lot more these days. The thing I, I really liked about your book, Struggle, uh, one of the things that I took away from it was that when, when it is hard, mm -hmm and you're battling or you feel like you're battling, just knowing that there are going to be some learning mm. or there is some learning yeah. coming from this. Yeah. 
Um, and so to almost relax into it, really. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I thought that was, uh, that's what I took mm. away from it. And I know there's a lot more in it as, as well. So that was quite good. So in terms of organising your day and things like that, because we've all got the to-do list. Mm. And sometimes that, that's a combination of personal stuff as well as mm. work stuff. Any tips on what you'd yeah, say to so people? I'd say, first of all, you say we've all got a to-do list, but some of us don't. Like oh, some really? people don't. Some people, or what How happens? interesting. No. <laughs> um, so, or some people make a to-do list that, that has like the things that they, it's almost an edited version of the to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be, here's what I want the to-do list to look like, but actually I've still got stuff in my head that I need to think about and work on and things like that. Or, um, or sometimes I'll only write stuff on the to-do, not me, but people will think, I'll only write stuff on the to-do list that I've already done so I can tick them off and I feel a little bit more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't you do that, though? Yeah. You, you like, do some of the simple, quick things just so that you can tick exactly. something off. And actually, <laughs> the neuroscience behind that is that we get a dopamine hit yes. when we're able to do that. So mm. they're, they're, actually, that does come into it. So how you write a to-do list is really interesting. You, one of the things I talk about in, in my very first book is the difference between a brain dump and a to-do list. Right. Because yeah, your brain dump is like, just get it out of my head. Yes. Whereas your to-do list, at least like for the day, isn't going to be everything because that's going to be overwhelming. Yeah, it's almost like a curated list from that brain dump of what am I actually going to get done. Yeah. But also when we do a brain dump, what we tend to do is write little words like bank, website, book. And then we come back to go, what am I supposed to do there? <laughs> and so one of the things that's useful to do is we call it doing some boss mode thinking first where you're kind of deciding, well, what does job done look like? Or maybe just what's the next physical action on that? So um, things like something like website, it might be a really big project. Mm. What's step one of that? Mm. Writing that on the to-do list makes it much more doable. Yes. And particularly yes. if you're procrastinating on something, if you look at something and go, oh, that's too big, mm -hmm. or that's scary, maybe just writing step one down on your to-do list would actually make it much easier to do. Mm. And then yes. you get the satisfaction of yeah. taking it off. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, the reason why I talked about kind of that to-do list mentality is sometimes people will write certain things down where it's like, well, that's my official to-do list, but they'll still have ideas floating around in their head, or they'll still have little things that they go, well, I need to do that, but that's not big enough to make it onto my to-do list. So I'll just carry it around in my head. But actually, what that's doing then is it's distracting you. Yes. And it means yeah. when, you, when you look at your to-do list, you go, well, there's only three things on there. But that's not an accurate kind of, you know, it's not an accurate portrayal of mm. what you've got yeah. of the cognitive load in your mind. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, when I, I learned this when I was really early on, when the kids were really small, is if I did a brain dump and ripped down all those tiny things, individually, they look like really easy things to do. But when you see the, the amount mm -hmm. of it, yeah. it's like, that's why I'm not getting everything done, because there is just so much. Mm. And so... I think that reality check is, is really helpful to mm -hmm. begin with. But once you've written it down, you can then start to make some decisions around, well, maybe this is too much. Mm -hmm. If it is too much, what am I actively going to say yes to? What am I going to say no to? What am I going to choose? What am I going to deprioritize? What are maybe some things that I need to ask for help on? Mm. Or what are some things that I need to lower my expectations on yeah. and manage other people's expectations on? And then, you know, what are some similar things that I can batch up? What are some things that I can mix and match to my energy levels and my mood? So, you know, like I said earlier on, 
we only get a couple of hours of proactive attention, so that's time when we're at our best when we're doing our best thinking, but not everything requires our best attention. Mm. So if you know when you can recognize when you're at your best, what's the most yes. appropriate thing to do? What's the thing that requires yeah. you to get your best? And if you've got your to-do list organized in a way that helps you to grab that stuff easily, mm. you won't get waylaid or you're less likely to get waylaid mm. by the little things yeah. and the bitty things. And then when you have what I call your zombie moments, you can almost kind of go to your zombie tasks on your to-do list and go, what? okay, what are the easy, what are the quick point and click things that I know I need to do? Actually, it's quite nice to do that in my zombie time. And mm. I'm not wasting my best moments on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then I can still feel productive that way. Yeah. Yeah. I read um, some study and I can't remember uh, who, who did it, but it was about the hormone levels in the brain mm. and the fact that quite often, and for most people, analytical type of work is better done AM. Ah, and yeah. the more kind of creative, more trance-like mm. type of work that, that you would, would be involved in if you were, for instance, writing, mm. is better done later on in the day. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah. the brain gets tired mm. and needs a break from, you know, thinking in a certain way all this for a long period of time. Yeah. So that was interesting. That was interesting. Um, and it is, it's also interesting because I've got a colleague who does the opposite. So oh, he okay. has like his create time in the mornings. That's time when he's doing his writing, his yeah. solo work. And then he has his collaborate time in the afternoon. So meetings tend to be scheduled in the, in the afternoon while he's available for other people. Right. Because for him, he finds the being in a meeting, offering his opinion, like that kind of thing, quite easy to do, mm. even if he's tired. Whereas his solo work is the stuff that needs him when he's at his yes. best. Yes. Yeah. So I think, I think experiment with this one. Mm. So different people have different sort of biological rhythms. Yes. So experiment with this one and just notice what works for you mm. and, and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Grace, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us on the bod podcast. So yeah. Any final tips for someone who wants that bit more of work life rhythm? Yeah, I'd say, based on my last point, I'd say experiment with it. So often we have our ideas of what things should look like. Yeah. So you mentioned the nine to five earlier. You people kind of go, well, I should be working nine to five or I should be working 40 hours a week. And you know, let's just release that. Especially if you run your own business, definitely you can start to maybe design what does my work life rhythm look like? Yeah. Um, and if it looks like working two days a week or four days a week or whatever it is, then maybe that works well. Mm. If it looks like, so for me, I, I realized that actually working to term time works really well for me. Originally, it was because of childcare, but actually even now, my kids are teenagers, so they're, they're in bed in the morning, so they don't need me as much, <laughs> not in the same way at least. Um, so I could carry on working, but what I find is that if I work through the school holidays, I run out of steam. You know, I start to resent the things that I normally enjoy. Yes. I don't bring my best ideas to the table, but my best energy into the room. So what I find is that working to term time and having those school holidays off is what helps me to keep showing up at my best and to work sustainably. Yeah. Um, so you give yourself permission, I think, to experiment and then to design the work-life rhythm that enables you to do your best work. Mm. Brilliant. Okay. And it's okay not to get it all done. In fact, you'll never get it all done. <laughs> no. So that's the reality of the work. Yeah, the, the world of work is that we'll always have more ideas. There'll always be more work that we can mm. do. So it's not about getting to the end of the work, but 
it's more about surf I call it surfing the workload rather than or surfing the workflow rather than drowning in it. Right. And you know, being happy with the journey that we're on and what we are getting done. So give yourself credit for what you're getting done. Course correct if you're going in the direction that like actually I'm just spending loads of time being busy and not getting anywhere, then use that as, as an opportunity to course correct. But it's not about getting to the end of the work, it's about showing up, doing our best work, having fun doing it and enjoying both life at work and life outside of work. That's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if people want to see more of your books and find out more about you and perhaps working with you, how do they get in touch? Best place is the website, so that's gracemarshall.com. Lovely. That's smashing. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Grace. Oh, lovely to chat. <laughs>